You're listening to Campus Review Radio. The graduates of 2025 may only be in Australian terms in Year 7, uh, but the world which those that student will ch- experience will change dramatically. If we look back the equivalent nine years ago, um, the world was in the midst of the GFC. Uh, there were no iPads back then. Uh, the first iPad was released in 2010 the same year as Instagram and WhatsApp were launched. Snapchat was in 2011, so the world does move rapidly. But more importantly, there have been enormous generational changes that have occurred over the past few years, based around a combination of changing global dynamics, access to education, and in many countries, the relaxation of some of the social barriers and constructs. The world which the graduates of 2025 will enter will be fundamentally different um, to that which graduates experience today. Back in 2008, at the peak of the GFC, employers around the world deferred their graduate intakes. Some graduates were paid to travel, others were encouraged to remain in education. In the UK, there's considerable um, investment in enterprise, which actually encouraged students to start their own business through employability assets, through enterprise schemes, through entrepreneurship programs, and also the changing of the curriculum to actually give people enhanced capabilities and skills. And there are all kinds of things over there that started the process in competitions and start-up enterprises. Today, the option to start one's own business is a feature of the graduates' futures landscape. And these self-driven enterprises are not always about money-making ventures. And I want to really raise to you some important points which are going to change. The first of which would be social enterprise. Social enterprise types of initiatives not only foster innovation and creativity, they're often used as a catalyst to meet and engage with other people, to build networks and perpetuate new opportunities. I will keep saying networks, I will keep saying opportunities. They're critical words. In today's presentation also, I'll provide you with an overview about the anticipated market changes and introduce some of the new words you're gonna hear, such as pleasure. These dynamics are all based around responses in employers, industry leaders and social commentators across multiple countries we've been interviewing. I'll present a snapshot of these results based around a mix of qualitative and quantitative research designed to gain insights and picture about how the world will look. And this is the first time even I've worked on this stuff, so it's brand new, you're you're the first to see it. So the sample you can see there, we interviewed just to get some qualitative insights, employers in Australia, Asia, the US and Europe, and then took some quantitative measures just to get some ideas of metrics. What we're looking for is patterns. We're not looking for numbers this time, we're looking for patterns. And also we're looking for then final year students. So I want to get some ideas. So we interviewed 33 in Australia, but then went on to actually get some samples. We get about 590 people to actually contribute to the results which I'm presenting today. We're then going to progress to see how students are and their future and what they experience, expect to experience it by 2025. This is merely a prediction. No one can really tell. Other things will change all along. I've always said with research, you need to do it over a very narrow window, because with research, you actually have to know what's going on. um, This is, I said, as a prediction. But some of the insights will significantly impact how providers see different things. They illustrate the types of skills and attributes which will be sought in the future, and present the types of opportunities and workplace environments which the next generation of students need to be prepared for. So let's start with some of the basic dynamics which will occur over the next few years. We know that there will be a substantial shift in the size and composition of international students. More and more students from around the world will look to a qualification from a foreign provider as a means of achieving individual differentiation. Estimates vary, but it would be reasonable to state that approximately six million families today are considering an education abroad for their children. These students are focused upon the academic outcomes today in a world shaped by social media. And there's numerous other career and aspirational factors to take into consideration, often based around generational values, a generation which is not necessarily understood. There is the opportunity to become immersed within a different culture, society and environment through education. There is the opportunity to build new networks, experience a different lifestyle, access different working environments, gain independence, enjoy a sense of venture, uh, contribute and acquire new skills and competencies, again, all through education. All values which millennials share around the world, which many employers, such as Unilever, you're seeing here, are embracing through their graduate recruitment campaigns. 
there is already a lot of evidence to demonstrate that students are acquiring multiple levels of qualifications in order to be differentiated. There's growth in the demand for joint and dual degrees, which I've often described as the heart and head model, the sensible one for the head and the one which is the passion, which is the heart. I often talk to international students in focus groups and say to them, what do you want to study or what do you study? Accounting. What do you really want to study? Accounting. Now tell me what you really, really want to study. Music, photography, <laughs> fashion design, all stuff that they want to do, but which they're not either permitted or in a position to do. In order to absorb increased demand, providers will need to invest in greater pedagogical diversity. They will need to embrace technology. They'll need to understand people. They'll need to grow capacity. They'll need to increase their current resources. They'll need to break away from traditional structures through extended teaching cycles and alternative delivery platforms. Providers will need to extend the breadth and depth of content, but not lose touch with the fact that for many years to come, a large proportion of students will hail from countries which do not encourage independent learning. And that's going to create major fraction in the potentially the workplace. According to many of the opinion leaders we interviewed, there will be a growing need for even more specialised competencies and skills, not necessarily obtained through a tertiary qualification which takes too long, but through such activities as intensive short courses, professional development and ongoing online training. And this is all reflected in future demand. There is a growing interest in nano courses, which do not necessarily need to be accredited, but which contribute to applied knowledge. And applied knowledge is a really important term now. And this acquisition of knowledge will become ongoing. Indeed, many employers believe that this will become a trend, uh, whereby constantly students constantly looking for new knowledge, constantly looking for new knowledge um, and gain capital in terms of intellectual capital. It's a long way from the traditional idea of lifelong learning, rather this peaks and troughs model, which knowledge capital becomes aligned with constant renewal. Constant renewal, constant renewal. That's what the employers are saying to us all the time. We want people to renew. We need people to understand what's relevant out there. So what else did the opinion leaders actually tell us during the qualitative stage? The growing graduate pool will allow employers to streamline their selection criteria. And in streamlining their criteria, they may be assembling a blend of talents, many of whom can be described as subject experts. The word subject matter experts was everywhere. There will be an increased use of comprehensive testing for pre-selection, and that the recruitment process itself may actually become longer as employers look to monitor the performance and development of prospective graduate employees over time. Some employers are telling us that they're actually looking at two-year recruitment cycles now by observing talent, seeing how they perform, and watching how they actually develop and build their competencies. Employers around the world are now becoming increasingly aware of the importance of relative, relevant work experience. And relevant doesn't necessarily need to be in the field. There's one law firm that told us once um, no, we don't want people who've worked in voluntary programs for legal aid or legal disability services on a volunteer basis. We want people who've worked with grumpy customers because um, grumpy customers are the people who go to lawyers. So that's actually we, what we have to also look at, relevant experience that can be applied. There will be significant growth, we're told, in pre-assessing graduates through various work integrated learning programs and internship schemes thereby enabling employers to test before they purchase. Further, many employers subscribe to the fact that work-integrated learning <coughs> can actually occur after the completion of the degree with the performance regularly or recognised on the test aimer. And several employers positively embrace the concept of virtual internships, uh, especially those which provide exposure to different environments, different employers, different subjects, different case studies, etc. More employers are now investing in talent spotters to pre-identify talented graduates whilst still studying. These talent spotters are looking for all-round candidates who can demonstrate not only academic capabilities and credentials, but many of the future qualities sought by employers, including collaboration, 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 new media, managing complexity, and generating ideas. Frightening one. A substantial number of the opinion leaders and employers 
believe that short-term graduate, oh, graduate recruitment trends will shift away from tenure in favour of purely short-term contracts and projects. That will require graduates with enormous resilience as they go enter, leave, enter, leave, move, portability, mobility, move, etc. Short-term graduates. This is where graduates are recruited for a specific role or specialisation for the duration of a particular project, or projects are either attained based upon how they perform, or released because the employer does not require that skill set for the time being. The type of thinking is very similar to just-in-time manufacturing, whereby capacity is brought on stream at particular junctures. A pattern which is already evident in many countries is outreach recruitment, whereby employers will choose graduates based around specialisations, location and local market conditions, and then cross-refer these graduates to partners and <coughs> abroad. So a graduate employer in the UK may be looking for graduates for their London operation, as well as Shanghai, Rio and Jakarta. And many employers stress to us that technology access and performance will result in shifting patterns of demand. <coughs> over the next time, over the next decade, the sphere and reach of graduate employers will be enhanced and expand, expand dramatically. Real-time interviews with prospective students will occur um, and will become an everyday feature of the workplace. They'll become global recruitment practices, particularly as employers increasingly seek talent for global operations, not just locally. We know about unstructured work environments and structured work environments. The graduates of 2025 can look forward to what was described by many employers to us as superstructured environments. So I'll go back to that there. As superstructured environments. During the discussions, a number of observations were made to illustrate changing employer patterns, um, which will impact the graduates of 2025. For example, several employers refer to the fact that some of the leading graduate employers today did not even exist 10 years ago. They're the product of rebranding, mergers, takeovers, and the relaxation of national borders. Many graduate employers are now operating in highly specialized fields and industries, and often communicate the importance of fit between their industry and the ideal candidates through employer branding. Employer branding initiatives deliberately convey the culture and values of the organization, such as reflected in this one example from a law, law company. The merger of multinationals and corporations will create a very fluid graduate market with new industries, brands, and entities evolving, whilst other industries will undoubtedly recede. Just consider the meteoric rise of over recent years of the online retail market. Many of the major employers or corporations will continue to diversify in new fields and domains outside of their core business. It is anticipated that industry and university partnerships will expand and organisations will be able to access students and graduates through all kinds of projects and networking opportunities with these partners, such as work integrated learning, capstone projects, mentoring, shadowing, placement and case study initiatives. Several employers contended to us that organisations will employ more sophisticated market metrics to place a value on each graduate's contribution, a graduate return on investment, so to speak. And whilst most employers will seek a proportion of graduates who possess generalist skills and competencies, with skill sets and competencies that can be applied in multiple domains, there will be heightened demand for specialisation, most notably in the technology space. So that by 2025, the notion of a traditional um, IT graduate, maybe two generalists instead, should be looking at enabling IT graduates, or IT cloud graduates, or cyber security graduates. The opinion leaders will ask for any other patterns which will impact graduate recruitment patterns by 2025. There's a general consensus that the traditional graduate recruitment priorities will change with an expectation that a degree provides a platform for more specialist knowledge acquired through alternative means. Such terms as intensive knowledge acquisition, knowledge capital, corporate knowledge and organisational intelligence were often used by the employers to us. The graduates of 2025 will need to be a subject matter expert. <coughs> Many employers refer to the growing importance of social intelligence within the workplace, particularly in terms of social interactions with other colleagues, customers, suppliers and networks. Social intelligence, a new buzzword. Social intelligence is a far cry from general communication skills. It is the ability to manage complex social interactions 
in order to encourage others to perform within a cooperative and collaborative environment. It is a term that, when you look it up, is over 100 years old, but it is now a critical enabler within the complex and highly adaptive transactional workplace of today. It embraces many day-to-day person-to-person activities, from mindfulness and thoughtfulness through to emotional interactions, personal well-being, empathy, behaviour, leadership, attitudes and conflict resolution. Similarly, the graduates of 2025 will find that adaptive thinking is a term that is well embedded within the mindsets as well. It includes embracing change, since the graduates of 2025 will have to continue to respond and adapt within highly transactional, uh, fluid and dynamic work environments and adapt accordingly, and environments which have considerable access to technology. At the same time, many of the employers referred, said to us that there are imbalances between the higher education qualifications in many countries and the actual requirements of the market. Consequently, many concerns were raised that by 2025, there will in fact be too many graduates and an inadequate provision of people with up-to-date vocational and technical skills for labour market conditions. Several of the opinion leaders within multinational organisations indicated that some sectors are becoming increasingly aligned with specific nationality cohorts, and that is significantly impacting their graduate, future graduate recruitment practices. So in response to all of these observations, the opinion leaders were asked which industries and sectors would grow in different countries. For Australia, for example, what was Australia associated with? There was widespread consensus for education in Australia. Many areas of research, particularly medical, sciences and agriculture, the creative industries, engineering, international business, security, including cyber security, large-scale logistics and construction, and tourism and events. The opinion leaders were also asked to list any new or emerging uh, industries. The general consensus was to provide us with genres rather than specifics, such as technology, trade, security, and online. So all of these issues were put, really put, presented to the employers, and we asked them to do some quantitative assessment about to indicate their levels of agreement with certain areas. So these are the very first time. Yeah, these were only put together the final results last night. So I've actually got to show you some slides which I only just know. Firstly, we asked over the next few years, when you're, basically, over the next few years, how strongly do you agree that your recruitment and screening criteria will increase in rigour? Massive agreement for the employers in Asia. Um, over 45% said they strongly agreed that recruitment and screening criteria will become more rigorous. In Australia, there's already a heightened awareness of the recruitment criteria, so it's slightly less. But 70% plus in Australia, and almost 80% in Asia, said that their recruitment criteria will become more rigorous. That is significant. That is about preparation. That is about ensuring that graduates are prepared from term one, year one, semester one, year one. They need to be prepared for that exercise. I ran an exercise for a university, just as an ad lib for a second, um, a couple of years ago, and they couldn't work out why international students were not applying for enough jobs. They were starting the process after they graduated. It was a year too late. So it's a matter of getting them to engage and understand earlier. We asked them to agree whether relevant and aligned work experience is a priority recruitment criteria. How strongly did they agree? About 35% very strongly agreed that relevant or aligned work experience is a priority, priority recruitment criteria. If you look in Asia now, it's up to 75%, yet how many actually get workplace experience uh, in Australia that's relevant? Uh, and again, the other destinations the same. Um, there was a little bit of neutrality in Australia, about 10%. Um, some strongly disagreed. Um, uh, for example, if you see the Australian there, you see about 20% were either in that disagreement stage, so they are still being open-ended on workplace experience and similarly for Asia. We utilise will and internships to identify talent and observe core skills and capabilities. When in Australia, 30% either strongly agreed or agreed, and 25% for Asia. Big area there for slight agreement, though. It's over almost 68%. So we have to have will programmes. 
we have to have work integrated learning. But if you're coming to Australia, there are just not enough employers, so we have to look at alternative schemes. One of the things I think that should happen is every institution preparing for 2025 should work with their international alumni to stimulate and identify will opportunities to be taken during the summer and winter breaks. Um, that's going to prove critical. There just won't be enough places here for that to occur. Over the next few years, we will employ more graduates on short-term contracts. 71% of the Australian employers agreed with that statement. 71%. The problem is um, equipping graduates with the skills to actually be ready for short-term contracts. Because if you're going in on a short-term contract, what have you got to do? You've got to hit the ground running. There's no training, there's no development, there's no orientation. The ones who strongly disagree with the major employers, like PwCs and the EYs and so on, they're going to be taking people on graduate programs and proper tenure. But if you want to know the short-term contracts, no surprise is who they are. They are suppliers and SMEs and middle-level co middle, um, companies that have been providing services, resources, facilities, equipment, etc., for major projects. And that's where the greatest transaction is going to occur, in that middle, middle area. But where are the greatest opportunities going to occur? SMEs. And as SMEs become more sophisticated and work around networks. So again, critical part of your thinking. We identify graduate talent for other areas of our organisation, including our overseas operations. If I did this 10 years ago, I would see the Australian one being just a few, just a few. But more and more are now looking for overseas operations. Some of the employers also told us that we're looking for graduates to advise our subsidiaries or suppliers to take on because they've got the talent we're looking for, the subject matter expertise. And again, if you look at Asia there, um, it's not nowhere near as high, only about 30% are looking, but that will have grown over the last few years, I'm sure. Our recruitment priority is to align the graduate's personality with our corporate culture. Overwhelming agreement. Absolutely overwhelming. This is where social intelligence is vital. It is absolutely vital. We have to teach people how to be empathetic, what well-being is, how to behave, how to interact, how to represent an organisation. Social intelligence is going to be the most important set of attributes we can equip graduates with, in my view. We are fully receptive to developing university partnerships as a way of accessing talented graduates. Of course they are. Who wouldn't be? But do we know how to go into partnerships properly with institutions? I really, I really question that one. I question it on multiple fronts, because so many institutions, it's person to person, person to person, don't tread on my domain. Um, we have so much protection, and universities and organisations, universities are traditionally highly proprietorial. So they protect those databases and they protect things like their alumni assets. But we're going to have to have schemes and systems whereby we can engage and expose students and uh, staff especially to employers and industry. We will be recruiting a greater proportion of graduates with very specialist knowledge and expertise. Wow. Almost two-thirds to three-quarters, depending on what you're looking at. So we have to have specialist knowledge and expertise, but don't misunderstand that, please. They still want soft skills. So we, they, it's just that the soft skills have got to be in an, in an applied, applied environment. So it's a really complex situation. We've got to give people the soft skills, the expertise to communicate and fit within a culture of an organisation, but at the same time, we have to give them the specialist skills so they can hit the ground running, often in short-term contract environments. The world they're going to experience is so different to what we're used to. There's an oversupply of graduates and an inadequate supply of candidates possessing vet skills. But in Australia, 65%. I am the greatest advocate of aligning university programs with TAFE as well, to give people specialist vocational educational training as part of their program as well. It's not all about applied tertiary. This is where partnerships, university TAFE partnerships in Australian environments, polytechnics, etc., 
uh, in, for other countries. We need to look at that whole whole setup of aligning to make sure people have lovely competencies which can be applied so they know how to go under the desk and turn out, turn off the plug. We expect our graduates to continue studying for specific and relevant knowledge at a non-award level. 80% plus. Online education has got to come into play here. Online asset management, knowing who to go to, knowing which organisations are experts in particular subject areas. Employers want people to keep learning. And it, isn't, it is lifelong learning, but I don't like the term, personally. I think it is all about asset acquisition. I've spoken so often over the years about accruing skills and competencies, but this is highlighted here. They want people to keep learning. Those, these are nano courses. As an adjunct side to the opinion leads discussions in Australia, we source the opinions of some employers in Asia as well to determine the types of factors which impact graduate recruitment patterns in Asia. How these impact graduates of 2025. These employees were targeted as, as ex, I can't say, expatriates only because they were external observers who have actually gone walked into an environment and have seen the recruitment practices in different places. And they've seen the emerging trends that are occurring in countries as they've had to begin to engage. This line of inquiry yielded some very significant findings, which again illustrate the different social, economic, cultural nuances between markets which the graduates of 2025 will have to prepare for. Some of the major findings were these. Countless organisations in Asia are growing their international footprints and therefore need graduates who can represent the face and culture of these organisations in a way which is suited to the diversity of the market conditions around the world. So it's not necessarily taking the culture of the country to a market, it's taking the culture of the organisation to the market while still retaining some of the uh, essence of the core. English will continue to grow as the language of business, well we probably all know that. So high levels of competence across all forms of communication will be sought. There will be continued growth in the supply of locally educated graduates and according to most of the employers, this may actually create division within organisations, um, which is already evident, in fact, for some, between the needs and expectations of locally educated graduates and internationally educated graduates whose expectations are greater. There will be substantial growth in the use of innovation and creativity within the workplace in terms of building the business, accessing new markets, developing and packaging new ideas and producing solutions. This will undoubtedly require new generation of graduates whose qualities include the ability to be independent learners and problem solvers. And in the context of individual learners, a substantial number of international students come from an environment which do not necessarily foster innovation and creativity. Consequently, employers may need to import these skills which could potentially, again, create some divisions within the workplace. In keeping with the other employers, the qualities based, um, based around social intelligence were again uh, first and foremost in people's minds. Uh, it's high now in the list of recruitment performance management practices within many of the larger organisations in Asia. According to most, there will be greater cultural relaxation within the workplace ranging from working hours through to open plan and mobile working environments. And finally, several employers refer to growth in more sophisticated graduate entry programs, including substantial testing of communication skills, substantial testing of customer-facing abilities, substantial testing of problem-solving skills. Several employers indicated that international students still place too great an emphasis upon analytical skills. Through the quantitative research, we again benchmark the opinions of Australian employers and employers in Asia. So my organisation is growing its international footprint and therefore requires graduates who can work in diverse market conditions. Look at that for Asia. It's actually gone above the number for Australia. It's showing the maturity of these markets as these organisations are expanding their footprints around the world. So they need to know how to get into different markets. English will continue to be grow as the language of business. Well, I think the, pe the only people who said they strongly disagreed, I think, were probably <laughs> just um, having a bit of fun. 
because that's absolutely right. A key priority for our organisation is to recruit graduates who are highly innovative. Look at Australia, 68% agreed at some level, and 22% strongly agreed. In Asia, you've got over 50% saying we need graduates who are highly innovative. So how do we make graduates innovative through studies, especially those who may come from a non-independent learning environment? A key priority for our organisation is to recruit graduates who are highly creative. Again, half for Australia are agreeing, and 45% for Asia. There's also a level of neutrality in Asia, so you've actually got almost three quarters of them either saying I'm neutral or I agree with that statement. So how do we import creativity into the curriculum, often for people who come from environments which are non-creative environments? A major recruitment issue is that many graduates have not been raised with, with, in an environment which caters for independent learning. Look at Asia, it's enormous. It was 75% in agreement with that. So again, how do we foster independent learning within a road learning environment, traditionally for some, for some students? So that's a challenge, again, pedagogically. It's not something new for any of you in the room, but it is, it is a challenge in terms of if we want to deliver graduate outcomes for people. There will be greater cultural relaxation in our workplace, um, certainly in Australia, but also within, across Asia there will be greater cultural relaxation. Um, irrespective of the market dynamics, the changing employer patterns and generational shifts, there are many other fundamentals which will impact the graduates of 2025. The workplace of 2025 will appear fundamentally different to the workplace of today. Critically, new phrases, trends, words will perpetuate the range of terms applied to different aspects of the workplace, which in turn will call for a greater level of sophistication and understanding among tomorrow's generation of graduates. Portability, mobility, continuous, diversity, relevance, engaging, personalised, creative, I can go quicker, innovative, uh, lifelong, sustainable, social, consistent, interactive, engaging, inspiring, leadership, transferable. All these words which we often use independently will all feature more prominently. The graduates of 2025 will need to be a fast learner. By 2025, there will be substantial growth in the number of startup enterprises by graduates, whether alone or in conjunction with other graduates. Furthermore, with tomorrow's generation of graduates exposed to so many opportunities, and opportunities perpetuated by social media and social networks, many graduates will work in these startups for a limited time before moving on. Um, I was in, in the office yesterday talking to a colleague, and the suggestion was made, we might want to see something else to SMEs, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It might be Nouvelle Famille Enterprises. And I said, what would earth would a Nouvelle Famille Enterprise be? And it is family investing in a startup for their children. Families investing in employment or buying a franchise or helping them. And I've always thought about it in terms of families buying a property for their children to live in. But how about families investing in businesses for their children to start? I thought that was one of the most brilliant suggestions I've ever come across from a colleague. Um, by 2025, there will be substantial... I said that. I'm a graphic, so by 2025, there will be substantial growth in our startups, as I said, by graduates, whether alone or in conjunction with other graduates. Furthermore, with tomorrow's generation of graduates exposed to so much and so many social networks, they may just start them, leave them, move on. That's going to be the way, it's going to be the cycle. One of the things I've often asked is how many projects do you have on the go? For the UA Mobility Study, we asked how many of you have got projects on the go? and over 75% are actively involved in their own projects. 9% of students in Australia who go on a mobility program have their own business. The graduates of 2025 will need to possess an even greater range of all-round competencies, not just the core academic qualifications, but the ability to be entirely portable and flexible within their workplace um, or work environment. And referring to all-round competencies, what I'm really saying is that many employers contended that in future, graduates will need to understand how best to embrace concepts. The graduates of 2025 will need to be quickly immersed into different cultures 
whether different workplace cultures or social cultures. The graduates of 2025 will learn to be portable in their attitudes and in life as they move between different industries, roles and locations whilst collecting attributes, skill sets, experiences and competencies as their journey progresses. Graduates will find their work environments to be largely based around intelligent workplaces, including workplaces described as leisure environments, a combination of business and leisure designed to foster collaboration and creativity. Many such environments are purposefully designed to stimulate creativity, such as this one at Google, which is the Google head offices where they have different areas, um, and Pixar, where different environments that one day demonstrate place you can work with how your mood is taking you, which is Google in Canada. Um, similarly, many graduates are working what one observer described as frictionless offices, such as hotels. Indeed, some hotels are already invested in this space. Uh, Marriott, has, Marriott has a liquid space app which finds available workplaces dotted around the nearest Marriott hotel for you to work in. Another feature of the 2025 workplace environment will be interiors designed to foster well-being and cater for the spiritual needs of staff, including graduates, through the creation of environments which stimulate creativity. Here is the creative space room at Adidas headquarters. Um, I'm just not quite sure about the ropes. Um, several employers observed that the excessive use of technology has resulted in diminished customer service experience and know-how. Similarly, other employers contended otherwise based around part-time work, although this is generally in the context of Australia. The reality is employers need and expect face-to-face -face skills and communications experiences, as well as strong virtual connectivity competencies. By 2025, speed will dominate the workplace. Speed will be measured by technology, the diversity of activities, human interactions, shortened time cycles, expectation of immediacy, and many other factors. This all means that in the 2025 workplace, graduates will need to possess enormous flexibility and adaptability as well as resilience. According to many employers, their career success will depend upon their versatility and their ability to adapt within what they describe as a highly computational world, whereby graduates will need to manage cognitive load, work across multiple domains, disciplines, and adopt a different design mindset. Many employers refer to the evolution and importance of networks, whether social networks, alumni networks, business networks, or inter-sector <coughs> networks. Future success for the graduates of 2025 will depend upon both their choice of networks and how well they interact and engage through these networks. According to many of the employers, these networks will drive business and therefore graduates need to recognize the importance of building the core frameworks of networking around their capabilities and most importantly, know where to access subject matter experts. Many employers contended that the graduates of 2025 will need to be task-driven through project mapping, planning, implementation, appraisal, and adaption. This is already occurring through, through various pedagogical uh, models, with many employers referring to the benefits of flipped learning, capstone projects, incubators, case studies, um, and work-integrated learning and other similar initiatives. Many employers refer to the working life Working week was a 24-7 cycle. It was constantly advocated that the working week of today will no longer apply, and that by 2025, organizations will all be operational 24-7. Customers and clients will be conditioned to a world which demands and offers immediacy. And this will play to an underpinning generational characteristic that the graduates of 2025 significantly wants choice. Given the changing life cycles and working week, many employers observed that the graduates of 2025 were known to be entirely open-minded. They'll need to be mobile, unencumbered, proactive and flexible in their outlook, attitudes and approach. They will also need to embrace new world concepts such as these super-structured <coughs> environments. This will all require advanced and skill sets in virtual collaboration, cross-cultural competency, new media literacy as the core graduate attributes. And in the presentation yesterday, New media literacy was highlighted by Lucas as the fundamental <laughs> skill set which um, students need to embrace quickly. Such organisations will reportedly place diversity and adaptability at the centre of their operational processes. 
A variety of other market generational characteristics were raised by employers. Some of these were poor generational, such as the desire of graduates to work in multiple projects and interests. The entrepreneurship ideal, which, which graduates uh, increasingly focus on, where they increasingly develop ideas before moving on. Increased knowledge capital about such areas as crowdfunding and venture capital. And the realization that graduate careers are largely a product of their networks and partnerships, which are forged over time. <coughs> This is a vital word, collaboration. Collaboration appears to be taking precedence over teamwork, according to the employers. Collaboration is often used with and associated with enterprise, innovation, and creativity. It is widely considered the core competence for any graduate employee. And this doesn't just involve face-to-face -face interactions, but the use and application of collaborative technologies, that new media literacy coming in again. Several employers observe that there is rapid change some occurring, sometimes described as transformation within their organization. And this is impacting both the culture of their workplace and the way in which the organization interacts with others internally and externally. Some of this was in response to changing market dynamics, which we can expect, and some was in response to generational and social factors. Further, this applies across countries to varying levels. One of the critical priorities for many employers is described as the building of corporate culture and embedding this both within the workplace and using identity and personality to select future graduates within such a culture. Some employers even said that by 2025, they will have identity directors within organizations. Most creative and dynamic work environments have got a very strong corporate culture. Google, for example, has a very flat management structure with various office teams to help stimulate creativity. Employees at Google, wait for this, and you should go back and ask the employers at home to do this. Employees at Google can work one day per week on any idea that interests them. And at Pixar, a business built around childhood creativity, they have embedded the culture of play within the workplace and they have magical playgrounds in their offices for staff. <laughs> the employers and opinion leaders were asked how generational change may impact the graduates of 2025, and that yielded a number of interesting observations. Most employers contended that graduates still need to fit within the culture and personality of their organization, and the organization's networks, whether customers, suppliers, partners, or franchisees of that organization. To this end, they need to be sufficiently flexible to adapt with change. Um, I've not got around for 45 yet. <laughs> many employers observe that graduates will need to engage and interact with customers and networks more, and therefore they will need to have the representative and ownership qualities needed to communicate with others. But that engagement won't necessarily occur face-to-face. -face. In person, it will occur visually and forcibly. Further, graduates of today, and undoubtedly the graduates of 2025, will need to fully understand the assets, attributes, and values of the organisation with demonstrated and informed knowledge, and with an increasingly specialized world, know how to ex ex access subject matter experts. Subject matter expertise is the new language. Several employers observed that graduate 2025 will need to be forever searching, probing, observing, and building in order to enhance their knowledge capital. And at the same time, the increasing emphasis upon short-term contracts means that graduates will need to possess resilience and flexibility in their outlook. Quite simply, they will have to be open-minded to survive. Finally, grad seven employers refer to the importance of their expectations. For example, the traditional office workspace may be replaced by mobile hubs, apps that source available workspaces, by daylighting environments, given that 90% of office workspace hours are away from natural daylight, and my favorite, napping pods in the workplace. <laughs> More graduates may find that their work environment is an actual pod, including pods installed within their home. And graduates may have to share their roles and work within other domains and workplaces. Remote work and working will become the norm. Just as a little ad lib again, I spoke to someone at Virgin a few months ago, Virgin Airlines, making a booking on a weekend, and they had installed a mobile hub, in the hub, hub into this lady's home where she could do bookings and so on with the full system because she suffered from MS. And apparently there are about 30 of them in that situation who are employed by Virgin. And I think that is one of the best examples 
of social enterprise, I don't get through quite saying that. Um, based, around the based around the qualitative deeper from the employers and opinion leaders, the quantitative study asked employers and opinion leaders to indicate their level of agreements with statements around some key attributes. Growth in graduate recruitment will be substantially driven by demand from small to medium-sized medium, medium organizations. One of the key attributes will be enterprise. In order for graduates to progress their careers, they need to possess strong, creative, and innovative skills. Collaboration, as I said, will be an essential attribute. An absolute priority is to build knowledge capital across multiple disciplines, and graduates need to understand the importance of networks. So the employers were asked to specify the priority skills and attributes which they seek from graduates. And this yielded some significant patterns, some which are specific capabilities and others which are more generic. The most consistently made observations were the attributes of technology, the ability to manage complexity, multi-layered communication skills, project mapping and implementation, enterprise, ideas generation, networking skills, <laughs> inspiration, the ability to work in a borderless world, depth understanding, investigative skills, multitasking, collaboration and people skills, information absorption. And let's not forget social intelligence. With all of the underlying qualities, within all of these comes social intelligence. Within many of these points, secondary observations are raised. For example, in discussions around depth understanding, several employers refer to the importance of students' journey, a phrase which seems to be replacing students' experience. Um, in discussions around people skills, employers refer to the ability to manage, read, and understand, and direct others. In this regard, well-being was frequently referred to. And under investigative skills, employers refer to the need to move away from their core area by sourcing other information through creative means. So all of these aspirations were put to the test through the quantitative research. We asked employers to indicate their level of agreement in terms of the importance of these attributes both now and in the future, with an estimate on how this impacts people by 2025. We will increasingly look for graduates who possess strong social intelligence skills. Look at the agreement for Australia, 60%, and that's just agreement, um, sorry, strongly and agree. If you add it up in neutral, it's 90%. And if you go to neutral in Asia, it's almost 70%. So people want social intelligence skills, and they know the term. We will increasingly require graduates of very strong customer-facing abilities. We have agreements of over 60% now for Asia. I wouldn't have had that 10 years ago. I'd have had 20. Uh, and I have 78% for Australia. Collaborative skills will become an essential recruitment priority. Look at that. 95% for Australia are in agreement. And it was about 85% for Asia. So collaboration. Collaboration is a term that we have to know how to deliver pedagogically. Our organisation is experiencing significant transformation. In Australia, about 40%, but a lot of them in Asia are undergoing transformation at the moment. As they westernise in some countries, as they become more open-planned, as a culture, a more relaxed culture comes into play, all of those are creating a transforming environment. One of the employers is telling us we're desperately, desperately trying just to retain staff so we can just have some core corporate culture capital. Graduates will need to understand superstructured environments. There's a third agreement the employers in Australia agreed with that. Superstructured environments. I have never heard of the term until a few weeks ago, but in fact superstructured environments is a really big buzzword amongst HR. Our organisation is committed to creating a pleasure environment. I should have thought it myself, I'm desperate to, but it's 45% uh, in Australia are saying a pleasure environment. And in fact, if you go to some of the universities, I was walking through the offices of Monash University's new, new building in Wellington Road the other day. They've created a pleasure environment in their, in their operations there. <coughs> Our organisation actually encourages social enterprise. 70% for the Australian employers, and 40% now are in agreement from the Asian employers. So again, social enterprise is up there. As um, Rob Malik is in the audience here, and Rob is um, a wonderful ideas man in the mobility space. And we got chatting just for five minutes at the beginning of today. And I, I was saying to Rob, we both kind of looked at each other to say, social mobility, um, social enterprise mobility programs. How about that for a new space and a new area? That's the kind of way we have to be thinking as well in other types of areas. Not just sending on a voluntary program, but actually improving social enterprise. Maybe in fundraising to do something which contributes to a business which gives back. Um, the best future employers for graduates will be within the SME space. 
Well, in Australia, that's true, true, and true. This is the only place, really, where a proportion of the graduates will get jobs. Because if you look at the major graduate employers, the top 100 in Australia, the number of places are open to them, some faculties of some, a single university would fill those roles. So we have to look at SME. And there is high level of agreement there, both within Australia and overseas. Sought after qualities and attributes, we got them to rank on a scale of 1 to 10. And you can see there in Australia and in the US and Europe, uh, collaborative skills are critical. Innovation skills are high. These are high mean scores. The red for Asia was slightly less, but even there, the alignment with technology skills, networking skills, and collaborative skills were very close to Australia and the US. And then if we actually look at um, uh, sought after qualities and attributes, Workplace flexibility was highest at just almost nine as a mean, which is very, very high. New means illiteracy was second highest. Open-mindedness, workplace, cognitive workload capabilities, project mapping, and cross-cultural competencies. And in fact, the Asian employers put cross-cultural competencies higher than the Australian and US and um, European employers. And I, every year, I update just our own skill sets in terms of uh, aggregated for the future cars. So, I would change this now. I do it every three years. I run the series, and we added these on. And what's critical? Here's some examples. The four generic attributes employers most look for in gra recruiting graduates. Okay, they're now saying collaboration, but you can see the importance always has been out there: creative problem solving, willingness to learn, interpersonal communications, and then the four main skill sets and gaps: evidence and creativity amongst the Australian and UK employers, and in, in uh, the Asian employers, it's really creeping up: written communications, multitasking, resilience, and listening skills are still lacking. And then employability attributes, which now need to be prioritized in curriculum development, we're still up there in terms of written communications, project management, and problem solving. Now to the students, and I'll be very brief on the students. We started the process with several discussion groups of both Australian and international students. There were some fundamental differences in their attitudes and perceptions, as you'd expect, um, particularly around desired outcomes and a combination of cultural, social, economic, and practical nuances. Amongst the Australian cohort, there was an inherent interest in travel. Students are very conscious of the types of opportunities which can be enjoyed through travel, whether for leisure purposes, voluntary programs, and increasing mobility schemes. Uh, indeed, the recent UA study I've said is well and truly embedded in the landscape. Aligned with inherent interest in travel is exposure to different environments, whether through study, work, or play. This exposure is largely fueled by social media, and people often are doing things because they've seen what others are doing on Facebook. Um, at the re um, I'll skip over that bit because I'll put the time. Almost 60% of Australian students who participate in the mobility program at their university participated in a study tour or exchange whilst at school. So the motivations are actually coming from an early age. Another feature of the Australian cohort was the use of the word inspiration. So many of the Australian students want to embrace ideas through in, from others. The ability to deserve, develop one's own enterprise is certainly filtering into the landscape of the Australian system, not least because of the awareness of incubators and innovation hubs, as well as access to things like crowdfunding. There's an expectation that Australian students are expecting irregularity. They're increasingly realizing that their world will not necessarily conform to the strictures of past generations that they, they expect their world to be unconventional. Instead, they would need to be flexible, they realize that, and they may need to work in multiple roles and industries rather than a single career, and they know they have to source their own opportunities. <coughs> that is why they have projects on the go. And this all fuels the underlying desire for knowledge, which can occur through deliberate acquisition of knowledge or observed knowledge. They want to enhance their own capabilities to enable portability um, and some are conflicted. Um, they're still influenced by their ancestral past, of course, and therefore commit two courses which are not necessary of their choosing. There was less evidence of um, students amongst information that they grow, consider their life as a journey. Um, instead, there's sufficient feedback to show an expectation of a more linear career path, and also they want relevance in terms of their education. They want knowledge relevance. Um, there's high understanding amongst the international students but they are less informed about niche careers. And that's because in so many markets, there still remains little careers advice. Many students from Asia tended to associate social element intelligence as the understanding of different societies and how people in different societies interact with one another. 
and as a generational term, students from Asia were, were aware of the importance of teamwork, uh, and they tend to use less emphasis upon workplace collaboration and uh, cooperation. Amongst the Australian students especially, there is a very strong awareness of social enterprise. Many students observe that they are actively engaged in social enterprise initiatives through voluntary programs, ambassador schemes, and other avenues which enable community engagement. So what we're seeing is a fundamental shift. So this is, we put this to the quantitative test for the students. Firstly, I'm actively involved in extracurricular activities at university. These are students from different markets. Much highest was obviously North America, you'd expect, and Australia. Far less from students from Southeast Asia, East Asia, and the subcontinents. So they're not necessarily taking advantage of, of those. But the students from North America, currently in Australia, are taking advantage. I'm constantly looking for new opportunities to be inspired. About 72% of the Australian students, actually 73, said either they strongly agree or agree with that statement. They want to be inspired, and, therefore, and that inspiration will fuel what they do in 2025. Um, it was less so for students from East Asia, primarily China, in that cohort. Southeast Asia was high, there was about 70% agreement at that level as well. I am committed to one day developing my own enterprise. Southeast Asian students in Australia, almost 50%. And from the Indian subcontinent, the level of agreement was 66%. Uh, for North America, it's just over 40, and Australia, 40. I'm constantly building my portfolio of attributes. Um, the strongest agreement was from North America and Australia, and the Indian subcontinent, much less for students from China. It's only about 35% agree with that statement. I have a strong understanding of my career direction. Students from India, it was high. Uh, North America was high. Australia, surprisingly, was lowest. So we have evolving expectations occur occurring all the time. People want intensive specialist knowledge. Um, they want to gain the assets to enable employability. Extra curricular opportunities they want access to as well, to become informed and to be applied. They want career portability. They want work experience with including will. They need networks. They have to have networks. They want choice. And they want to have individual differentiation and a sense of identity. We asked them how much they possess different <coughs> attributes. You can see different markets, different attributes they possess. The next industry of technology was highest for students from Singapore. Work experience was lowest for students from China. Um, and all of them are fairly consistent around things like uh, intercultural competence, <coughs> with the exception of students from China. Um, I can send all, you can access this paper all online in about a week's time, by the way. So market dynamics. Market dynamics constantly, oh, I haven't written out yet, <laughs> um, I only decided about three minutes ago. Um, constant movements, um, self-driven opportunities, cultural impediments are the market dynamics that are going on. People want mentors and heroes, they want connectedness as well. They're seeking access to merits and awards, they want to contribute social contribution, education will be ongoing. And so, in levels of agreement with a few quick statements, in order to succeed in life, we need to constantly generate our own opportunities. Look at North America, the land of the free, 90% plus. Uh, Australia, the second land of the free, 85%. Uh, Indian subcontinent, they strongly agree with that as well. I'm strongly influenced by the achievements of others. Highest agreement with students from subcontinent. Don't take testimonials out, out, of, your, out of your content. Mm. People want the stories, they want champions, they want heroes. Um, just don't make them false. Don't make them staccato. And don't show ones that now they're working for PwC because only 1% will. Show them who started their own business. In addition to my studies, I have other projects on the go to assist with future employment. High levels of agreement there from subcontinents in North America especially. I'm totally committed to building further knowledge through more formal education. This is showing how much they recognise ongoing education. Strangely enough, Australia was second lowest. I'm confident that by 2025, I'll be in a career of my choosing. 75% agreed from Australia. Um, it was lower 60% for the Indian subcontinent, and lowest of all was for students from China, about 45%. So conclusions, I thought we'd get there. Okay. Conclusions, what are my conclusions? I've gone. Oh, it's gone back. Hold on. Um, they're going to be in a world of short-term contracts. Um, will, will is going to be an incredible feature of the landscape. Employers will expand their footprint, we have to adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. The graduate 2025, SMEs and 
uh, the term from the office, Nouvelle Famille Enterprise. I think I said that very mean. I was told whether it was female or male phrase this morning in the car. Um, need for knowledge capital. Uh, super structured world they're going to be working in. They're going to have to be network and subject matter experts. The graduate 2025 will need special applied knowledge, but they're, and they're going to have to access more diverse opportunities. Speed is everything to these people. Changing cultures are everything. They're going to have to adapt to very different work environments. Social intelligence and social enterprise <coughs> are so important. Collaboration, innovation, and creativity. They're your three themes for the next eight years. And they want new value. They've got new values. 